0: You're listening to the OK Fisher podcast, part of the OK Podcast Network, featuring your hosts, Matt Stry, and Greg Tubbs.
1: So, Matt, here's to uh here's to an experiment. We'll see if it makes it or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, cheers to the giant experiment.
1: So, yeah. Giant experiment about the the one that got away. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Nice. So welcome to the OKS Fisher Podcast with your host Matt Stryme. How's it going, Matt? It's going pretty good. And Greg Tubbs. I'm doing fine. <laughs> that was probably a terrible intro, but hey, you know, we gotta work the bugs out. Yeah,
0: we're pretty okay.
1: You were Sorry. okay. So, this is the pilot episode. We're just going to kick this off. Maybe we'll kick the can down the road, or somebody will, and see how it goes. What can you tell me about yourself?
0: Well, Greg, I am an avid fisherman, and I fish for a lot of different, you know, species, target everything we can, Um, particularly okay at all of them, Mm -hmm. but... um, yeah, just love fishing, love, you know, hunting and fishing, but this is a fishing podcast, so we're going to talk about some uh, some cool fishing stuff. We are. We're
1: going to do our best to keep our mind out of the whitetail woods and talk fishing.
0: Yep. Thank God for a uh, first pilot episode where we can work the deer hunting out of the fishing podcast. Yeah, man, so. it's
1: difficult. I mean, you and I were just talking for about 20 minutes before we finally hit the record button here. But exciting news is... We got some cold weather finally. It's making some ice. Hopefully the snow doesn't screw it up. But to get back on track here, I asked you about yourself, and I should probably tell a little bit about myself. Just like you, I'm an avid, avid outdoorsman. I love to fish. I, I, I would say if someone asked me what the first activity was I ever participated in in the outdoors as a kid, It was definitely fishing. It was definitely fishing. It was river fishing. And uh, it was uh, the main pursuit was carp and bullheads and catfish because that's what we had on the river where I grew up. So and thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, growing up as a kid, even as a teenager, pedaling my bike down to the river with a can of worms and, uh, you know, rod hooked up with uh, with. Hook, line, and sinker—it was all all ready to go
0: for for rough fish. That's everybody's first fishing step. That's that's how you get into it. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite fish to fish for? I like fishing for everything. My diehard passion is musky, which every musky fisherman is the okest musky fisherman because they are the hardest fish to catch. They're the most humbling fish to catch. And they drive you nuts 99% of the time. Yeah. That's what I primarily target. So I would agree with you. I, I kind of
1: got into musky fishing a bit when I was, oh, probably 12 or 13 years old. We would go up to grandpa's place again on a river. And, uh, I'd always have encounters with muskies throwing bass baits, you know, anything that was shiny and, you know, loud colors, They'd always follow it or they'd, they'd swipe at it and bite me off because I never ran a leader. But like you said, every time you go out there with the intent of catching muskies, you're throwing big musky baits and you're getting humbled because you might get a follow. And one follow, two follows is a really good day musky fishing.
0: 100%. You almost you, you judge your day on how many follows or fish you saw, not on how many fish you catch.
1: Yep, uh, that's what I recall. And I don't mm-hmm. know, for whatever reason, I kind of got out of muskie fishing and really loved fishing smallmouth and pike, uh, probably because they were more willing to bite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, muskie fish, it is the bow hunting of fishing. True and that. It, a lot of lot of things cross over when it comes to the two. That's why I love bow hunting. That's why I love musky fishing. So
1: you know, A ton of patience is required. And like you said, you feel pretty okay when you're done fishing muskies for the day. Exactly.
0: Well, how about I ask you what fish you're into and what kind of fish are you passionate about fishing for? Yeah, man. Um, boy, I've got a lot of them, it, and that's
1: probably why I'm just okay at catching a little bit of everything. too. everything from bluegills, you know, freshwater-wise, from bluegills all the way up to king and coho salmon on the big lake, um, I really enjoy all of it. But if you were to tell me, you know, I I could only fish for one fish the rest of my life. People are going to laugh, but I'm a huge fan of bluegills. <laughs> who Who
0: isn't a fan of bluegills? I don't
1: know. Whoever isn't a fan of bluegills, I don't know if we can be friends.
0: <laughs> I am completely, honestly happy you did not ask me that question because I don't know what fish I would fish for. Really? If I could only fish for one fish for wow. the rest of my life. Mm. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I'd be pretty content if you said, "Okay, here, here's a, an ultralight with four pound test, some slip bobbers, and some tiny little jigs and plastics, or some red worms or leeches." I, I could go find the biggest bluegill in the lake and be really happy about that.
0: But yes, but to say it's not the not to say it's the easiest fish in the world to catch because when you get into that trophy size, not even trophy size, bigger than the little dinkers. Yeah. yeah, they're a little more challenging to catch, but it's just, pound for pound, still the best fighting fish, I oh, think, out there.
1: No no doubt in my mind. I mean, the, you, you get a rig set up right, the right weight of rod, you know, ultralight reel, four-pound test line, deep water, they do fight really hard. Like, if they could grow as big as a smallmouth bass, I think they'd
0: probably outfight them. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You ever do any saltwater fishing? Yes. One time we went out uh, halibut fishing in Alaska. That's cool. Uh, It was awesome. Only caught two halibut for, I don't know, a four or six hour trip out there. A lot of the rock bass and other things like that, but did end up hooking into one giant halibut and a couple little ones. Then a bunch of the perfect eater size rock bass. So
1: Nice. Yeah, that's another fishery I would love to go hit up is is uh, Alaska, you know, somewhere somewhere in the Pacific. I think that would be just awesome. I could check that off my list. But I've I've done my share of golf, surf fishing. I've not been out on a boat out there, but I've caught you know lots of little sharks, spinner sharks, um, different species of ray. We primar- primarily go down there with the intent of bringing home a cooler full of whiting and pompano, which are great eating by the way uh whiting i could compare them almost to like our perch like our jumbo perch they're they're really good eating thing is is you can load a cooler full of them down there like keep stacking them clean them up and i've still got a little bit left in my freezer from the last trip they're they're phenomenal eating they really are and the pompano are a bit more steaky they're they're delicious
0: I will say I don't have much experience on the, the warm water side of, you know, salt water. Sure. But definitely something
1: that would be awesome to get out and do. Yeah, man. There's something about wading out there with a with a surf rod and launching your bait, you know, hundreds of feet just to either lose it <laughs> when it hits the water <laughs> or or, you know, you know, make that right cast and have everything hang to the hooks just right and and wait for that bite and the rod to load up and all of a sudden the drag's peeling and you got a 60 pound ray on, or you're fighting a big redfish that you don't ever see come in because it breaks you off over the bar.
0: So, so not to di- diverge from what we're, what, what are you actually targeting? Like I know when you go out fishing freshwater, uh-huh. I go, I, if I'm not going to take a musky rod out and go fishing for bluegill. Right. It's not going to happen. Yeah. What are you targeting when you go out to surf fish so that's a great question
1: because it's the ocean right you never really know until you get some things figured out on where you should cast and where you shouldn't cast but you never really know what you're going to catch until you figure out your presentation you know height of height of the presentation off the bottom but, like, I've learned some things over the four trips that I've gone out there and, and just trial trial and error, you know, trial by fire, that too low, too low to the bottom I'm going to catch nothing but rays and hardhead catfish. Neither one are good for eating. They're fun to catch, but after the 50th catfish, you're tired of having to rebate hooks or run to the bait store to buy more shrimp. It's time to make a change, so. You figure out that, hey, I need to run a higher hook, you know, run up a little bit further, add a float to it, get it up off the bottom so the catfish aren't coming up and hitting it. Maybe I need to cast further out because I'm too shallow. I'm on, you know, on the shallower side of that uh, that bar and I need to get a different spot or cast further out to get off the bar further away where the better fish are. And those are usually the whiting and the pompano. That seems so much more complex than fishing for bluegills. <laughs> <laughs> but people people struggle with big bluegills too, you know. And that's another thing; it's trial and error, or you talk to some people that know more than you, and and it's easily humbling to you know go well. I don't know this, and I need to I need to figure out something different. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe this guy knows what he's doing, or you follow somebody on social media or whatever have a conversation with somebody you know that that's that's how you and I both i think have gotten better over time as we've fished with people that are better than us or know know some tricks that you know have helped them be successful out on the water and get better at it and you implement those and maybe put your little twist on it after you learn the basics and get good at the basics and learn how to use your gear then you get better at it.
0: And I, I will add on to that is you found somebody that's willing to teach you. Like, that's my favorite part about the fishing community is everyone's willing to give you, you know, tips and tricks on how to help out. Yeah. Obviously, obviously not in a professional tournament, but no, you meet up with somebody on the riverbank and you're, you're going to be talking like your best friends for the past 10 years because you got a common, you know, something common to talk about. Absolutely. You you
1: nailed it on the head. And I and I think that's what we can expect from this podcast going forward is we're going to be talking to people. You're not going to just listen to us rant and rave and banter on about what we think is right or wrong. We'll we'll throw our opinion in there once in a while. But at the end of the day, we're going to have people on here that are willing to share some things, whether it's ice fishing or how to catch that big bluegill or how to how to find snook in Florida or whatever it might be we're gonna work very hard at getting people on here that want to share those types of tips and tricks and secrets
0: yep exactly that's uh that's the goal for sure and um like I said we got a lot of a lot of great people you had mentioned some some saltwater people I don't have any saltwater people I know but we got a lot of a lot of good people you know, friends, colleagues, first-time fishermen, you know, we, we're we going to interview about how they, you know, got into fishing, how late-onset fishermen, kind of same as late-onset hunting, um, what hurdles they went through and what they kind of experienced, and I, it's just getting people into fishing, talking fishing, and making everybody a better fisherman.
1: Yeah, that's really the goal. I think that's, that's a great way to, to go about this is – You and I are going to learn stuff, and hopefully other people will learn along the way. So let's transition into gear, changing gears into gear. (laughs) Do you have a, a specific bait you like to throw? That's a very loaded question. It is, isn't it? Yes. What are we fishing for? exactly what are we fishing for if you had let's say you had five baits that you could carry with you up north fishing any any northern lake what
0: would you what would you choose so you got me on the back end i don't get to pick what fish i'd have to fish the rest of my life i gotta pick five baits i have in my uh-huh. box for the rest <laughs> of my life <laughs> um,
1: just for the week how about how about that just, just for a week just for the week, week
0: Throwing me a softball. I like it. Yep. Um, you, you gotta have some sort of twitch or jerkbait um, that catches every fish under the sun. We've caught crappies on jerkbaits. You can catch everything crappie, bass, you know, um, northern, musky. That's my go to confidence lure that is in my tackle box one hundred percent of the time.
1: All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for the secret sauce. What particular color and or brand or model of bait
0: are you working with there? I am not a color-specific person. I classify them as natural and we'll call it exotic. Okay. The super exotic. bright colors. The the parrot. The, the, yep, exactly. The <laughs> Wonder Bread container going through the water. Uh-huh. Um, those are... So I focus more, not so much on color, I focus more on uh, retrieval rate and my cadence coming back in. I think that's more important than color because you're never going to see a fish in the water that looks like a fire tiger. I'm sorry, they're not out there. (laughs) I think every fish that bites one of those lures is a little insane and probably deserve to be caught because nothing looks like that in the wild.
1: (laughs) But hey, it kind of imitates a perch or a crawdad. Or something. True. But what does Wonder Bread interpret? <laughs> um, bubble bubblegum and bread?
0: <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my number one go to confidence lure. A jerk bait. So, yep. But, so if I if I have to go through five, this is where it gets tricky. If okay. you would have said one lure, I would have been done. That would have been easy. But you had to do five.
1: I, I did make. I kind of screwed that up, didn't I? Oh well. <laughs> but let's hear it.
0: So my second, and I'm going to switch species here a little bit, would be a bigger bucktail. Mm. Um, does it really matter size, color, anything like that? If I got one lure to use for a week, it would be a you know a bigger bucktail. Um, especially you said up north, it'd be a darker colored one, just because it's stained water. Mm-hmm. That's that would be my number two. Um, number three. Can I do a rig? Does that count as a lure? Yeah, you know what? I think that that should that would work. We'll let it slide because it's more than one part. Okay, because it's a, a hook, a sinker, and a slip bobber. Ah, yeah, or just yeah, just that that catches everything. It does catch everything. Depending on where you go in the water column, you can't go wrong with a simple bobber. Agree. Um, that's uh, Yeah, that's the go-to for everything else that's not a musky or bigger, although you've, I've caught plenty of smallmouth that way too. Mm-hmm. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, it was three. Yep, that was number three. Number four would be some sort of weighted jig uh, to bounce the bottom with. Okay. Uh, pretty generic. Um, you could kind of tell I'm going through the water column. Yes, you are. Yeah. And then um, I would be willing to bet you're going to guess my number five with the water column in, uh, in subject here. Yep, you, you went to the bottom. Now we got to go to the top. Yep. Mm-hmm. Any any sort of zara spook walk a dog, um, top water. Uh, you know anything like that that you can you can work the top of the surface, get it yep. shallow. Every fish in the world that's bigger than a bluegill will bite a top water. Um, I would agree. And bluegills will even swat at topwater. Yes, size-dependent, obviously. Yes, yes. So those are my five go-to. If I had only five lures to have in my tackle box for a week up north, I can guarantee you I would have a pretty good chance of catching something.
1: Yes, you would, 100%. I think you probably picked some of the best baits you could pick. All
0: right. Can I return the question to you in a different form? Let's hear it. So it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. Our pilot episode is basically in the midst of a giant blizzard coming through. Yes. And I'm going to go a little easier on you. Ooh. What are your top three go-to ice fishing setups? Ooh, okay. Obviously, and, we're from... And with... mind you, none, of, none of these questions were scripted. No, so <laughs> we're, this is the, we're going the all discussion. over
1: the board, which is fun anyway.
0: <laughs> I got to pick,
1: um, number one, just because of the whole, j- just because of where we are and what we do, and it's going to be a beaver dam tip-up.
0: No-brainer. So, yeah,
1: no-brainer. Beaver dam tip-up with a medium or large shiner, Or I might even mix it up and throw a small sucker minnow on there instead for pike or bass. I like it. Yep. I like it. Or a walleye. Next setup, I think I'm going with, I know I'm going with the uh, the jig rod two-pound test line and probably... Depending on where I'm fishing, it might be a natural colored jig. See where I'm going with that one? Mm -hmm. Natural colored jig tipped with either a wiggler or a spike for big bluegill. Okay. And then my next setup would be a rod with six-pound test, a little bit longer rod, uh, a little more backbone to it with a jigging minnow of some sort. Either it's gonna be like a a jigging shad wrap. I like the wider profile. I've caught a lot of perch and they weren't even big perch, but they seem to be real aggressive and they like it. Um and a perch color seems to really work well. Walleye's bass, Pike'll hit it, perch will hit it, crappies will hit it. It's you know that time of year there's a lot of little fry, little perch fry down there. If you got, especially if you do have a lake with a lot of small stunted perch or just a good
0: food base of them, it, it's a great go-to bait. I like that answer, too. In your experience, does color matter more in winter or summer? I have an answer to this question. I'm I, curious what your answer yeah, is on Yeah, actually, it. I've had... F-
1: For bluegills in particular, and we're kind of drilling down a little bit on species here, but Mm. for bluegills, I've had it where I've switched four or five different colors of jig and all of a sudden I find one a purple jig works best. And I'll have a guy that swears that he loves chartreuse or chartreuse and green and he may not catch as many, but he's still catching a few. I've tried that color, and, and I can't get anything to bite. And then I'll tell them, well, no, purple's working better. So it could be the way I'm, I'm fishing it. I might be just moving it a little too much or not enough. It all depends on
0: really the mood of the fish. Yep. I do notice color plays a more particular role in finicky fish. Yes. That's what I was trying to get at because ice fishing is generally slower movements you know, you're you're not ripping it through the water. Um, that's kind of where I was going with that. Is I notice a definite difference in colors when it comes to um, fishing through the ice. So, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I mean, I've got
1: a two sided fly box full of different colors, different profiles of jig, and like I've got my one that I just like. But I, I, I'll i go out there two trips in a row and, and try to fish with it, and it, I won't get a bite. And then I'll have to pull something, you know, from the backside of the box that I don't normally use, and all of a sudden it's working, and it's totally different color spectrum and everything. There's a lot of things that play into success out there and having a variety of jigs, and that's what's nice about ice fishing. Is you can, When you buy jigs, they're usually in two packs. So you have multiples you can kind of mix and match, and, you know, have two tackle boxes full of that
0: stuff. Yep. And it's a poor man's boat. So you can cover lakes that you can't fish in summer and you're, you know, can fish all these bodies of water. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I
1: mean, you and I have seen it where you look at this old pickup truck that comes pulling out to the lake and the guy kind of gets out and looks around Gets back in the truck and he just starts driving out there. That's that's his mode of transportation. You're not doing that in open water, you know. You're not.
0: <laughs> you can get out there. You're not. You're not coming. You're not back. coming back. You're not going <laughs> to get your truck back. No, no.
1: You can try. Have fun with that. But to your point, though, it is. It's it's the poor man's bass boat. Like you, you can go out there with very little equipment. You can really have a good time. keep warm in your vehicle if you're going to take your vehicle out there you don't necessarily need a shanty but it is nice Mm -hmm. Uh, you know the best fishing is always that first bit of ice and you're not taking a vehicle out there so your bass boat's going to be your sled or your
0: shack Mm -hmm. and i do like talking about ice fishing my experience is for people to get out and interested in fishing or they want to try fishing or have never done it, yeah. ice fishing is the way to go. Yeah,
1: and almost anybody, if you know that they've been fishing for a while, I guarantee you they have enough tip-ups and enough rods and reels and things to get you out there. All you need, really, is warm, comfortable clothes. That's all yep. you need. And your fishing or a, license. Or a,
0: shack, or a shack with a heater. That helps yeah, too.
1: that helps, too. <laughs> definitely helps, too. <laughs>
0: um can I try a transition here in the pilot episode? Do it. Um, so we were talking about ice fishing in this latter part of the conversation. It's um, Something else we're going to cover on this podcast is seasonal strategies. Yes. Obviously, we're into ice fishing right now. Cold weather's coming down. The ice belt is starting to get fished with the temperatures and good ice coming out there. Um, we want to talk about seasonal strategies. Um and how we can give you tips and stuff on how to be successful out on the water, or in this case, the ice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of people maybe get pretty excited and want to go too deep too fast with this first ice. I'm, me personally, not that I'm a pro, but my best luck is usually like 15 feet and in. It just seems to work, you know, that first weed edge. Um, Even in the shallows, you can pick up gills, you can pick up perch. Uh, If you have a a walleye population, they're going to cruise in that 15 to 6 feet of water coming in just as it it comes dark. I've had a lot of success with that.
0: Yep, it does help early ice. the, The weeds are still standing upright right, and in some cases still alive. So they're still putting off oxygen and holds good structure for a lot of the fish, you know, bluegills to northern. Exactly. So weed lines are great.
1: If you'd have a lake with the, with no weeds, that, that makes it a bit more difficult. And you might actually be waiting more towards the dark for fish to move in and, and start
0: hunting around in the shallows for bait fish. hmm I think the other thing with early ice, too, is you are... The One of the first people out on the water after it froze, nobody really fishes. Not a lot of people fish between, you know, first cold snap, all the boats are put away in October for the majority, and you got nobody until end of December. So you're hitting practically unpressured fish the first couple of weeks of ice fishing.
1: Yeah, exactly, because let's face it, not everybody wants to break away from maybe the holidays yet. Like, we're going to be getting into possibly almost fishable ice by Christmas here, which hasn't happened in a while around these parts. It's been Mm -hmm. a while. Um, So take advantage of it. Get out there and fish that early ice. Fish when people aren't there. Heck, fish weekdays if you can. I think that, that goes without saying. Just like hunting, you know, if you're hunting public property or you're hunting your property, your neighbor's probably not out because he might be working. Well, if you're fishing during the week, your neighbors aren't out there fishing. They're probably exactly. out working.
0: And, and and with that being said, early ice. Always be safe. Always have your your creepers. Always have your ice picks for pulling yourself out just in case something happens. Check your ice every couple of steps because it's not not a good thing if you, you get on some thin ice. So no, and I will say a lot of the uh, a lot
1: of the lake facebook groups like my local lake here we have a, a facebook group uh, there's a couple guys on there doing ice reports daily like they're going out with a spud bar they're chipping it out they have their safety equipment with like i i bought a pair of uh
0: bibs with flotation in them that, i have seen those i I do not have a pair of that but or a pair like that but yeah that, that'll be the next investment i tell you what
1: they're really worth it they're they're warm um and you won't if you're a sweaty individual like I am. I don't usually need to wear much more than a, <laughs> a hooded sweatshirt. The bibs keep me plenty warm. Uh, the knees are all padded, real nice for being able, and they're waterproof. So when you're kneeling in slush, like I used to hunt, I used to fish in, in uh, carharts, and those are probably the worst thing ever to fish in. When the yeah. uh, when you get sloppy stuff on top of the ice, it just oh, yeah. it's a giant wick for moisture.
0: <laughs> and it stays in until about two days later-huh
1: <laughs> it doesn't go away fast so there's there's great equipment out there that it's multi-purpose it keeps you warm it keeps you safe if you were to go through these bibs will allow
0: you to float yep because safety is has got to be number one when it comes to early ice there's yeah no fish no fish is worth it so no
1: I had a I had a buddy that was so crazy about ice fishing. He would literally strap two-by-sixes to his feet and and shimmy out on the ice just to check it with an inch
0: of ice out there. Yeah, I've I've never been that small to be able to even attempt that.
1: He's a small fella, so there's (laughs) no way I'm not doing it. (laughs) So you have a funny story you could tell about any experiences while fishing. (laughs) <laughs> I know I've got a few, but
0: what do you, what do you got? I see you smiling there. Um, I have so many, I'm trying to cipher through my brain right now and figure out which <laughs> one I should, uh, should divulge. Um, Oh man. I, I, I'm going to go back to what you're, what you started off fishing with. We used to carp fish the river all the time. Yeah. Um, and we would, catch so many carp with just like you were saying corn and and wigglers um that it was we we wanted to challenge ourselves a little more so we implemented your bluegill tactics and we would run two three and four pound tests catching these eight nine and ten pound carp and the funniest story we had is we me and a friend doubled up on the ultralights the fish went complete opposite directions which was good but we ended up getting spooled to the point where we were in our shorts and walking down the river, trying to get these fish. Needless to say, I lost mine. We got one of them in, but that was, it's just, it, it's the fun part of fishing. Like I, I, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I got a,
1: a fun ice fishing story. I mean, I had, I've always had a bird dog, right? I've always had a black lab I know i have a Springer, but, My labs were always fish hounds. Like, I'd take them out ice fishing. My last lab I had, the old boy, we went out on a lake after work, and uh, there were a couple guys out there, and it looked like somebody had been there before. There's holes punched everywhere. The whole lake looked like Swiss cheese. So guys were out fishing. Well, he went, you know, he got bored of hanging out by me, and he went and visited one guy, and the guy was – talking to him and then he left that guy and went to another guy and all of a sudden he comes back and i don't hear anybody yelling anything but i see something hanging out of his mouth oh great he borrowed somebody's bluegill so i you know right away i apologize i said oh man i'm so sorry for what said, my dog took your fish oh i haven't caught anything so uh, i wonder whose fish he took so I kind of went over by the other guy. He's like, nope, nope, I didn't catch any. Well, those guys over there, they left some big minnows. So I looked, and here, sure enough, it was a like a 10-inch sucker minnow, and it was still alive. And he brought it <laughs> to me whole, and he set it down, and he wanted me to play fetch with it. So I threw it across the ice a couple times. Then he got bored, and then he just decided to lay down and eat the head off of it. <laughs> uh-huh. That's yeah. good. Yep. It was always a always a treat with him because he never knew like he would he would he would walk up to somebody's fish pile, grab a bluegill, and come over and hang out with me with it.
0: Would he go around to um, all the tip of poles and pick up dead shiners on the ice too? Yep. That's a that's a every dog thing. Yeah. Or or yeah. a seagull thing because I see seagulls doing it all the time too. But oh yeah. Uh, give
1: me the dog. I'll take the dog any day of the week over the seagull. <laughs> Well, I think uh, that's it for now. We'll we'll work on some of our transitioning, but, Eric, here's your sample. Check it out. See what you think. Let us know, and we'll have a meeting about it. Hopefully it's not too bad. (laughs)